I get so many requests like the CIO or the CEO just wants to talk about AI. There might be like a, a, a very large office deal, but no, 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 they want to talk about AI first. Okay, so it's a door opener, but you got to come in with the right set of messages and you got to come in with the right set of humility and grounding. I think working with people like you, Tom, and your team and the, and the partner field organization, we can generate leads for them. We can give them a lot of training. We can give them a lot of enablement. We can support them in sales calls. We can support them in marketing events. We can really help them deliver that last mile value to the customers. And we'd love to work with them. And we cannot do it alone. Welcome to the Microsoft Cloud Executive Enablement Series, where we speak with Microsoft Cloud senior leaders and experts about the latest trends in technologies we're seeing in the market. The goal of this series is to share with you and your teams our perspective on the business value driven by the Microsoft Cloud for our mutual customers and the opportunities for our partners to grow their business with Microsoft. Hi, I'm Tom O'Reilly. I work with the Microsoft Partner Development Team looking after data and AI. And today's episode, we're going to be talking about AI and ML. And to help me with that conversation, I have Ali Dalul, who's an expert in this topic and has been around Microsoft for 25 years. So Ali, firstly, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Thank you, Tom. Let's start with some definitions. Right? Whenever we see AI, we often see a slash ML written straight after it. What's the difference when we're thinking about artificial intelligence versus machine learning you know, how are they different? How are they similar? Why are they always put together? Yeah, great question, uh, uh, Tom. And they're actually not that dissimilar. So artificial intelligence is really the umbrella term, okay. and machine learning is a subset of that. So let's unpack that a little bit. So artificial intelligence really truly means that the way software can mimic human behavior evolves in a way where it learns. We look at the physical world, so we see, that's yep. computer vision. Yep. We speak, that's speech and language. We uh, translate, if we are, have the ability to translate and we know multiple languages, that's you know machine translation. Right. We hear and we comprehend and that's machine reading comprehension. Uh, so all of these, we call them the cognitive services side of AI. So these are the kind of artificial intelligence where we pre-train the model, mm -hmm. right? And they're basically uh, based on key pillars of vision, speech, language, and decision-making. And we'll talk about OpenAI, which is kind of a new category of Azure Cognitive Services, which is really what we call general purpose AI. So these cognitive abilities are pre-trained. Machine learning, on the other hand, it is a subset of AI, and it's just more focused on categories where you know, cognitive services or cognitive abilities are not applicable. It's really more DIY and where you really want to be able to do AI at scale in areas that don't have the natural patterns of human you know, behavior. For example, for credit card fraud detection, right? It's not necessarily a human cognitive ability. It's not about seeing or talking or speaking or comprehending. It's about determining patterns at scale on large volumes of data, but learning from the mistakes. So hence, the machine is now learning. Over time, it is improving. The model over time becomes a great model. So it can detect credit card fraud at scale. It can help you address network anomaly detections. It can help you address defects, you know, like, you know, British Petroleum is using, you know, our machine learning to look at faults in their reservoirs. Right. We have Shell using it to determine faults in their sensors across all of their manufacturing. So the machine is learning these models. So 
enterprises, we provide the tooling that they can go and do their DIY AI. They can go and build whatever AI they want with the right tooling because we give them you know, that capability. So machine learning, in summary, is really part of AI. So we were talking a little bit about the cognitive services and those, those parts that are uh, you know, related to human capability, whether that be speech or vision or so on. What are some good use cases? And if you can contrast an industry before and after you know, using some of those cognitive services, what does that look like? That's a great question, Tom. So let's take a look at some of the very, very near and dear consumer services that you and I and millions of people around the world have experienced, right? Let's take a simple one, okay? The film industry, Kodak, digital yeah. camera, and so on. So AI today, when you look at Netflix yeah. and their ability to personalize content, that's all machine learning. Yep. That started with you know, the DVD business when they started mailing the DVDs, but they soon realized, credit to Reed Hastings and, and his team, they soon realized that if they don't disrupt themselves, they're gonna be disrupted. They moved immediately to streaming, way before anybody believed streaming is gonna be the way forward. And they were able to establish a beachhead you know, business. Right. They captured the lion's share. But a lot of that actually today is behind the scenes is actual AI. Of course, content is king, yeah. but it's AI that's really truly providing the recommendations, the personalization. And they're taking that and they're learning from that and they're building even more content because they're seeing the patterns of what are the consumers you know, using. Yeah. Why is Tesla worth more than the entire automotive industry in the US and maybe the world? One company, why? Because fundamentally Tesla was built as a, software company. What do you do when you buy a Tesla? You sign up to a computer on wheels that captures every bit of data as you're driving that car. It's got cameras everywhere. It's mapping the streets. That mapping of the streets is what's feeding into the autonomous driving software, which is, by the way, the most profitable module you buy on top of the car because it's software. Software has very high margins. Once you build that IP, your cost is sunk. But that software is 100% AI because it's feeding in from all the cameras in a Tesla, it's picking up from the world around you, it's learning, it's improving. It's the only company today that has cars that have driven billions and billions and billions of miles, mapping every street and every permutation, a pothole in the street, a tree here, a bridge fallen here, a closed road, a storm, and so on. And now over time, that is a differentiation and an advantage that that's where the automotive industry is behind. That's why people don't understand, you know, why is this such a success story? It's right. because of things like that. You know, your audio and your, your conversation in the car, you are continuously talking to an AI model. You know, when you're talking even to, uh, you know, your phone, that is a continuous speech model that's being trained and learned. So these companies who are able to take the data, you know, uh, in a compliant way, mm. that, that data, apply AI algorithms, they're able to disrupt very well established industries in automotive, in transportation. So these are a lot of different industries, Tom, and where AI is like, people don't understand that, that the core was AI. Right. It, like that disruption was at, at its essence, the business model, the platform is an AI driven along with cloud. So that's why when we talk about Azure plus Azure AI, we're saying we have a supercomputer cloud, it is the best place for your data, it's secure, it's compliant, your data is your data, Absolutely, your data is your data. We don't tap into your data. We don't use your data to train our models. But we give you AI that's also trusted at scale 
And when you take Azure AI and Azure together, we are here to help you, you know, digitally transform your business into the AI age. When you're meeting a customer, um, they're sort of toying with the idea of maybe I should think about using AI or where will AI provide me the most value in my business? What's the two or three questions that you ask that business leader? Great question. So it starts with, it depends who we're talking to, right? If we're talking to a truly a business leader, as you Let's say the CEO of the company. The CEO. The first thing I ask is, tell me what keeps you awake at night. And depending on their answer, I will be very honest and transparent, as we always should be, whether AI can solve that problem or not. Mm -hmm. Some cases, AI cannot solve it. But let's say, let's say that that business problem is customer service. Yep. 100% AI can, can make it better. Okay. Let's say that problem is process improvement, yep. fraud detection, workforce productivity, you know, a lot of these different scenarios, okay? It absolutely can be addressed with AI. Look at even financial services with robo-advisors. What do you think a robo-advisor is? It's an AI bot right. that basically takes in all the financial data and machine learning, applies an algorithm of what a typical business financial analyst does yep. and says, here's a basket of stocks or here's a set of funds or index funds or whatever that match your personality, your risk profile, the amount of money you want to invest. If I'm a financial advisor and a robo-advisor can help do 60, 70% of my work, that's amazing because then I really focus where my core value proposition to my clientele is going to be, which is the human relationship, the trust, the depth of understanding of the law, of the regulations, of the policies, of the changes, and really working through with that client and that relationship. And AI is just another tool. The same way I've had Excel before and a spreadsheet, I have yet another tool. Yep. So we look at these aspects. Another aspect, for example, let's take, if we're talking to a CIO, right? Yep. So actually I was talking to a CIO in Asia yesterday. One of the things he asked me, he's like, you know, I'm worried about my developer productivity. Yeah. You're right. What, what do I do? I said, have you seen, you know, Copilot from yeah. Microsoft? And he's like, no, what, what is that? I said, let's show you. And, you know, Copilot is based on our latest, you know, general purpose AI, yeah. built, built on open AI uh, models and algorithms. And it does produce code from natural language, right? Natural language. So you just say, write me an, you know, a program that plays tic-tac-toe. Yep. That's it. That's all you have to say. Plain English, natural language, and it produces all the code. Yeah. So when we look at uh, a developer, right, and you know, if you've ever developed software, a lot of the code is repetitive. Why would you want to waste your time on so much available repetitive code that you could have actually used from somewhere else and you just apply your expertise, your fine tuning, your optimization, securing that code, putting it into the right context. Okay, well, we give you that's out of the box in AI, and that gives you the ability to really, you know, accelerate the productivity of a developer. So when depending on the persona that we're talking to, a CIO, a CEO, a CDO, they all have different business. So we start with that. What's the business problem you're trying to solve? What keeps you awake at night? Is it something you're willing to invest in and put in the money? to make sure that you're getting a return. And, and we will walk them through, here's what a, a scenario would look like in terms of ROI using AI. Yep. And once we walk them through that, you know, we go through the, the typical cycle of, okay, great, I love it. Let's do some envisioning, let's do some ideation. Let's look at these four or five use cases. Now let's start getting together and doing a pilot. 
proof of concept. Like, show me it can really work. You know, I believe you, but show me it can really work, right? And here, you know, there's an opportunity also where partners come in because that's where, you know, these POCs, these pilots require tremendous technical capability, Tom. Yeah. So we want, you know, help in that last mile and we want people to come in and help us. But that's really how the journey, you know, kind of starts. You know, outside of the call center, the fraud detection, the anomaly work, what are some of the other most common use cases uh, that you're seeing now? And, and what do you see that changing, you know, in the next couple of years? How do you see that evolving? Yeah, before we go there, Tom, it's a great question. I kind of want to answer your question backwards because uh, it's important, right? I think today when we, we spoke earlier about cognitive services and, you know, what we call, um, you know, mimicking human abilities yep. through pre-trained models, and we call that narrow AI. That is a task-specific, traditional AI. It's a bounded problem. Yep. That's why when you're talking to your car or your phone, you cannot just talk to your car about, you know, what should I have for dinner tonight? It doesn't understand. Now, of course, it's using AI, it's using speech and so on, but it's a bounded problem. This, is, this continues to be mainstream, right. and that's what we call traditional AI. Okay. okay? Task-specific, narrow use cases, and some people, you'll hear the word weak AI. They call this weak AI because you need a lot of data up front. You got to label it, train it. And in that, you really are looking at, you know, use cases around speech recognition and speech transcription. Mm -hmm. You're looking at digitization of documents, you know, taking a physical document, applying computer vision, optical character recognition, applying layout extraction. You know, we, we process billions of documents per month just doing stuff like that for a lot of enterprises. And it's very, very high value. Microsoft itself, you know, Amy Hood, our CFO, challenged us uh, two years ago. Can you run your forms recognition AI to help me reduce my costs for invoice automation and employee expense reporting? Guess what? A member of my team won actually Amy Hood's award when we proved that we saved her 10,000 man hours per year. So today when you submit your expense report, you see it's all automated. Right. If you've been in Microsoft for a long time, you know how it used to be, and now yeah. our team, it's all automated. And we've saved tens of millions of dollars for the company and 10,000 man hours per year. So these are like critical use cases and you know, business process optimization. If you're using Teams, mm -hmm. if you turn on transcription, that is coming from our AI. You know, if, you're, if you, by the way, if you type in today inside Teams in the chat yeah. and you type in a different language, you know, like you type in, in Chinese or you type in, in French or German, you can right-click that message, we can translate it in there. So these are examples where you're like, we're driving massive productivity through AI as a productivity company. Right. These are things that you'd have paid enormous amount of money for a certified translator. You gotta go through a process and so on and so forth. So there are a lot of different areas where you see cognitive services being applied in our own Microsoft products across the board. Mm -hmm. And you see AI being applied also in different you know, enterprises. And you know, I mentioned examples like British Petroleum, working with also examples like the NHS in the UK, where they're looking at you know, medical records, working with Ernest & Young, where they look at tax forms and they apply digitization, optical character recognition, OCR, and layout extraction and so on. A lot of companies around the world that are benefiting from these you know, use cases where right. you really are improving a business process. Mm -hmm. You really are improving, for example, you mentioned the contact center as an example. That is one of the biggest areas. So, you know, Allstate came to us and said, in a situation where there's an accident, people are very distressed. Sure. They're very emotional. They're breaking down. Hopefully there's no bodily injury. But nonetheless, even if it's a fender bender, people are just, there's a shock. There's a distress. Yes, yeah. They call the call center at Allstate and they're like, and they're, they're, sometimes they're mumbling, sometimes they're not clear. That agent on the other end of the phone is trying to understand, okay, Tell me exactly what happened. Yep. 
they're not hearing them well, so then there's more frustration, tell me again, I missed that part, and so on. So we put, we put in Azure AI speech recognition and speech transcription. So we recognize, you know, in a compliant way with an opt-in, what that customer in distress is saying. We transcribe that. That service agent doesn't have to take notes. Right. It's immediately transcribed in front of them. They understand everything, they don't have to repeat. That call is shortened and immediately from that workflow, they're applying it to address claims and make sure that that person is going home safe and that their claim is being processed pretty quickly. And they saved in year one over $14 million just on something that you think is simple, but that is intelligent automation at scale. These are real scenarios. We do it also with a lot of the key ISVs in the contact center space and many, many others. So these are real things. Now, the other part of your question is, so where is it going, right? So this traditional AI continues. It's very important. It's core, right? And it's durable mm -hmm. and it solves real, real problems. The buzzword these days or the exciting excitement these days is what we hear is OpenAI, and yeah. Azure OpenAI is what we launched last week. So let's talk about that if you're okay, Tom. Why is OpenAI such a hot thing, and why did Microsoft and OpenAI come together to be able to build the most intelligent AI out there? Hype aside, excitement aside, let's look at you know, what is general purpose AI. General purpose AI, unlike traditional AI, doesn't require the data per model upfront. Right. It takes the web scale data, so all of the data of the world, and then some, and applies massive computing power. That's why all of the OpenAI models are actually built on Azure. Azure powers all of the OpenAI models, and then applies deep science and the breakthroughs in deep learning and algorithms, which is kind of really where the core of the OpenAI models are, and that allows it to be able to provide a set of models in two categories. Yep. The language category, and these are the, these are the things you may have heard called GPT, yep. right? So these are general pre-trained transformer models. This is where you also heard the term generative AI, and you know, where AI is generating, AI is reaching human creativity. Well, it, why? Because now we're moving towards a general purpose concept Right. where you're taking all of this data available and we produce GPT models that are able to provide language abilities where naturally anything you, you and I can talk about, yeah. literally anything, we, like the way we're interacting right now as humans naturally, unbounded, unbounded, right? And that's, that, that's, that's a very important concept because as we said, in your car, it's bounded. Right. Open the window, turn on the radio, take me to, you can't say, get me a pizza. Right. But now it's unbounded, but these are now what we call strong AI, and now they're more horizontal in nature. So some of the use cases we were talking about before were narrow, yep. vertical in nature, somewhat industry specific. Now you're horizontal, you are broad, you're beginning to mimic human interaction. Hence the magical moment of wow, I can talk to this thing and it can tell me about, like I have customers who are in India and they're like, oh, I asked it about Indian culture and it answered. And that, how did it know? Well, simple, it knows because all that information is available on the internet, right? But before in traditional AI, you would have to have taken an Indian specific cultural corpus of data, train a model to address a very bounded 
set of questions in that domain. Right. So the old customer service of a chatbot where you ask a question, what is my credit card balance? And at right. some point by the third question, it's like, sorry, I can't help you, let me call a representative. Right. Well now, because it's unbounded and you can bring in not just the enterprise data that is relevant to that experience, but you have the entire corpus behind it and you have these algorithms and you have this conversational ability it's gonna be transformative across the entire customer service spectrum. So these models are just amazing, right? We spoke about Copilot earlier. That's the next set of models. This is what I call Codex models. They can translate that natural language into actual code. So the future and why Microsoft and Azure AI and Azure OpenAI came together is really the opportunity of Azure the Cloud, a very transformative AI experience with OpenAI, yeah. now available on Azure, meaning you have responsible AI compliance, yeah. you have security, you have enroll-based access control, you have scalability, your, your data is protected. You have now all of the enterprise-grade premium features and the SLAs and the scalability of Azure, and that's why we provide through Azure OpenAI all of the models of OpenAI, but in an enterprise-grade scenario, and that is now unlocking for us a lot of new set of use cases yeah. that is just beginning to happen as we speak, Tom, today. Well, you've given me the perfect introduction because you've mentioned two legs of what I think is the three-legged stool, and that third leg of the stool being partners. We've got the power of Microsoft, the Microsoft Cloud, the Azure AI now being OpenAI with that. None of that lands in customers without the partners that, that exist in the Absolutely. ecosystem. Where's the opportunity for them? You spoke a little bit about governance, management of these models, the security side, everything that goes into what we call a traditional enterprise IT deployment. Where's the innovation for them? Where's the opportunity for them to continue to build on top of these building blocks that we provide? Excellent question, Tom. Uh, first, let me say that the promise of Microsoft to the partners and to the enterprises is really based on trust. Why do enterprises do business with us? Because they trust us. Mm -hmm. Why do enterprises put their data on, on Azure? Because it is their data. We believe privacy is a human right, as Satya says, and your data is your data. Yeah. Unlike other companies where that data is, can be used and monetized, we do not access your data, we do not monetize your data, we do not use your data without your permission. That promise of trust is fundamental to how we do business with the enterprises and how we also build software. So let me talk about that second part of how we build AI, and then I'm gonna bring in the partners in that equation. From day one, we understood the power of AI, yep. and we understood the potential opportunities, but also the potential risks involved. And we were the first company to talk about responsible AI. And we set up a framework you know, of AI fairness, mm -hmm. AI accountability, AI transparency, AI privacy, AI security, AI inclusiveness, wow. all of that you know, wasn't just policy talk. We proceeded to setting up the Office of Responsible AI under our president and vice chairman, Brad Smith. That is a office that actually has a lot of power. They actually review our work. They review what we call sensitive use cases. They can actually block a business even worth hundreds of millions of dollars if they say this is gonna cause reputational harm to Microsoft or to the partners wow. or to the customer. We've had I'll give you one example. We had a bank uh, that came to us and wanted to use uh, speech recognition in their contact center. 
but they wanted to use it in a way where uh, it is what we call a dragnet, meaning there's no opt-in, they don't tell you, but your voice is your password, and, you, and the way they capture that is they capture everything you're saying, and then they determine that what you said is, is, is through our speaker identification at voice biometric, is really Tom or really Ali. Now, nothing is wrong with that. That's actually a technology we have. What is wrong with it is it's not prompted, it's not opted in, and it could be a dragnet. Now, imagine in that conversation, my 13-year-old or my 12-year-old is standing next to me and talking. Now, you just now violated federal law because now you got a minor in the conversation, right? So we went and educated them. And we actually saved that bank millions of dollars of liability and lawsuit, and they did it the way we told them. So, so we have an office of responsible AI that works with us very closely. Then we went a step further. We established an ethics committee. It's called Ether, you know, AI ethics and effects in engineering. And they review also all of the work we do. Then we went a step further and we told customers and partners, you know, you need, we, we want you to keep us honest. We want you to keep us challenged. And we published, you know, a set of tools. Mm-hmm. So one of the challenges also in AI is model explainability and interpretability. You know, how does yeah. this, what happens to this model when it's out there? You know, there's areas also of bias. You know, for example, in a loan application, in a robo-advisor application, there could be bias. In a computer vision model, there could be bias based on race. There could be indirect profiling or things of that sort. So we've applied, we have a, we have a consortium and we have tools like FairLearn. We have Interpret ML, which we publish on GitHub and so on. So then we applied one more thing, which is called RAISE, which is Responsible AI in Systems Engineering. So we build in these responsible practices down to the code. So, you know, we engineer from the grounds up with trust. We engineer from the grounds up with responsible AI practices. We, we further protect with policy. We work with internal experts and legal and external. And that is also part of the value proposition of why Azure AI and why Azure. So let's talk about the partners. Now, the partners are an extension of that, Tom. Why? On three levels. The first is, with all the goodness and excitement and my passion about AI, it's still complex. You're not buying you know, a phone or Windows Surface. You're, you're buying very complex technology. Mm-hmm. And this complex technology in the enterprises, just like other technologies, requires expertise, requires a deployment techniques, requires fine-tuning techniques. Here's the opportunity and the challenge. The challenge is, because it's complex, it requires specialized talent, wow. which is why AI people are in high demand, okay? Data scientists, engineers, product people, they're in very high demand. Business people, very high in demand. Uh, partners who have that expertise in how, in-house have an advantage in the market because even our largest customers have a limited set of that talent in-house. And even if they have, they're competing with the likes of Microsoft and others for that talent because it's in in very, very high demand and very short supply. So partners who have the talent, who have the relationships, who have the trust, who have the know-how and can do system integration and really understand the business sales cycle, they're in an advantageous position. Coupled with our enterprise offerings, coupled with what we're providing from a trust perspective, they are the last mile. They're the most important mile. You know, if imagine now all this AI, it's sitting on the cloud, but I cannot get it in the hands of my enterprises. It, well, I have no distribution. I mean, they are the most critical link, right? And, 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 and not only that, we are sitting on 
a massive opportunity that is we haven't even yet scratched the surface. I mean, AI, if you you know look at different numbers, it's between 50 to 100 billion dollars in addressable market, you know, this year alone, right? And exponentially growing. So it's a very, very large market. And and this is not even including the hardware, right? This is just the software. This is not even including the services. The professional services is even a larger pie. So there's an opportunity for you know these GSIs, you know, to work very closely with us, an opportunity yeah. for us to work very closely with them to deliver that value you know, to the customers because A, they have the talent, B, you know, they have the relationships and the know-how and the understanding, C, AI pulls through a lot of other businesses. It pulls in Azure Cloud, it wow. pulls in our data business, SQL, uh, analytics business, and many, many other businesses. So, and it is, third, it is the hottest topic in the C-suite. Wow. So if you really, like a lot of customers come to me, like even Microsoft Field, you know, I get so many requests like the CIO or the CEO just wants to talk about AI. But you know, there might be like a, a, a very large office deal, but no, 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 they want to talk about AI first. Okay, so it's a door opener, and but you got to come in with the right set of messages and you got to come in with the right set of humility and grounding, as we said earlier. Wow. Like, that's my opening question. What is your business problem? What keeps you awake at night? And if, if the partners ask the same question, and they can match it with their professional expertise and with our technology, they can really unlock a lot of value. I think working with people like you, Tom, and your team and the, and the partner field organization, uh, we can generate leads for them. We can give them a lot of training. We can give them a lot of enablement. We can, you know, we can support them in, in, in sales calls. We can support them in marketing events. We can, you know, we can really help them deliver that last mile value to the customers and we'd love to work with them and we cannot do it alone. Even the size of Microsoft, you know, Microsoft has from the grounds up been a channel driven company from the day it was created. It was, yeah. you know, from the day it was founded by Bill, it's always been about the channel. Wow. The channel is the lifeblood of Microsoft, will continue being the lifeblood of Microsoft and is very critical for us today more than ever, especially with the channel and the SIs that actually have the AI talent we would love to work with them you know, to go and unlock that value. So that's a great place for us to, to leave off. I've loved having this conversation with you. you. I've learned a lot already. Final thing for you, what do you love the most about your job? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, it doesn't show so far. <laughs> well, I can I, see your passion about the topic I, I, already, but what's yeah, the thing I, that... Three things. It's actually a, a, a very deep question. The first is I really genuinely am driven by the power of technology to improve human life. Yeah. It's my sense of purpose. It's like I wake up every day and you know I'm like, if there are no challenges, it's not a it's a boring day. The second is I'm so blessed to work with the most amazing people in the world. You know, people like you in the field, people like our scientists, how much you learn from these people, you know, and how much you really can take that and continue to evolve as a human being. And guess what? AI is about evolving and learning. It's like machine learning. The, the, the machine is learning. The machine is evolving. So we are also similarly evolving. And I love to keep taking on the data and learning myself and evolving. And you know, the third really is, I mean, how can you not be excited when things like OpenAI and ChatGPT and I mean, the moment we're in right now, yeah. I mean, this is the moment. This is yeah. where we rise to the occasion, both as a company. If you listen to Satya's um, earnings call yesterday. Yeah. And he called it, this is the new era of AI. This is the moment, this is the time where AI in the technology adoption lifecycle 
is beginning to cross the chasm, right? So, right. you know, a lot of companies die before they cross the chasm. A lot of technologies die before they cross the chasm. But when you cross the chasm, you know, in Jeffrey Moore's framework, you're beginning to hit the mainstream. Once you hit the mainstream, which I believe we're on the cusp of right now, we are just at the right moment, you will unlock massive innovation and value. I'll give you, you know, like a couple of examples where we believe with general purpose AI and with the democratization of AI, we are at a moment today where models as a platform is akin to the cloud computing revolution. So the same example I gave you before, mm -hmm. which is anybody today with a swipe of a credit card can have access to supercomputing that the largest governments in the world did not have before. Right. Today you have that with AI. Yeah. We are democratizing AI with access to models as a platform on Azure for new grassroots innovation and companies and startups to flourish and get built and for enterprises to capture also that value and transform their customer experience, transform how they build products, transform how they empower their employees and really kind of accelerate their journey. So if that doesn't excite me, like I don't know what is gonna excite me. And we're in a time where this macro environment, as difficult as it is, I'm an optimist at heart if you can't tell already, but you know, AI, can help you do a lot more with less because, again, it is that intelligent automation. Yeah. It's like, it, it, you know, we are at a point where we have these amazing tools. The thing I'm pitching right now is like, something is gonna clean my inbox. You know, if I can get somebody to clean my email inbox, an AI bot, that's just gonna like, my productivity is gonna go through the roof. So we're at these times where, look at what we're doing in office, what we're doing in teens. I mean, that's the optimism I have for the future. You know, I have, you know, it's very bright. My kids, you know, started on ChatGPT, the day was out. They came to me as like, I said, you can't cheat. You know, like, no, 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 it's fascinating dad and so on. But you know, even education right now, you know, even education, they're, they're, they're rethinking education because of the innovations in AI. Right. So you and I probably grew up in an era where even calculators were forbidden in the classroom. Then we got calculators and we were like, oh, calculators are okay. Then we got computers and now computers are okay. Now you have AI. So educators, you know, uh, students have to rethink what is the new paradigm of learning? Right. You know, what is, you know, for example, if, if, if ChatGPT can provide this massive conversational ability what, of, what is one of the most desired skills today in any organization or in the market? It's communication, the ability to, to communicate, the ability to stand and talk to other humans. Well, guess what? The same equivalent example of something can generate code. If something can generate the conversation for me, if it can do a lot of that you know, generation, I can take that, I can communicate it, I can become a better uh, presenter, I can, you know, I can engage in different ways with humans. That then moves up through the value chain, right, oh. to do you know greater things. So these are the three things that excite me. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been an amazing privilege for me to be able to talk to Ali today about where AI is at. And we're at a generational moment, as we've as we've heard, that you know, this is the moment that AI is beginning to cross the chasm. We've had some amazing announcements come out from OpenAI and its, its combination with Azure AI makes an amazing opportunity for our partner ecosystem. We have opportunities that are coming up every day from using cognitive services that we heard about, that human ability to do things like speech and vision, um, to a lot of this anomaly detection, a lot of pattern recognition, which computers are just fundamentally better at and the use cases for that that exist across financial services, healthcare, customer service, all sorts of different things make it really exciting. But most of all, we're at a part where 
we get to reimagine what this future is going to look like. And we are delighted to be able to share and reimagine that future together with you. Thank you so much for joining us today and watching this episode together with us. And I look forward to having you join us on our next episode. And that wraps up today's episode. Don't forget that this episode is a part of a series featuring some of our most experienced and innovative global executives, packed full of great insights and examples of how to make the most out of working alongside Microsoft. If you haven't already, make sure to check out our other episodes. No matter your industry or area of focus, the Microsoft Global Partner Enablement Team is here to enable you and your teams to achieve more. If you want to watch this episode, it's also available as a video. If there's an area of cloud innovation you'd like to hear more about, please send us a note at salesenablement-gsi at microsoft.com so that we can create content that meets your enablement needs. Thank you for listening. Thank you for engaging with us. And thank you for being a Microsoft partner. We'll see you on the next episode of the Microsoft Cloud Executive Enablement Series.